Keith and I just have been sitting here talking about smash and grabs and how tough it is to be in retail these days. So what can we say? I, we, would, we would salute all of our friends in retail who have stuck it out and uh, are still, still there, and even those few of them who are still spending a little money on radio and TV. Okay. So... <laughs> So let's get this uh, show rolling. Uh, this, Please. Uh, yeah, this was 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 uh, not just another retrans squabble. We can talk about that. Radio Ooh, yeah. uh, is there when you need us, but sort does of. anybody care? Right. And the ultimate ad budget disc. We've got a great, can't make this shit up from Keith. So good morning. We're back with another one of our editions of uh, Media Insultant, our opinions and comments. I'm Jackson Weaver in Seattle, Washington. And in sunny Southern California on the hills of Hollywood is my co-host and handsome mentor, Mr. Keith Samuels. So we would like to welcome you to the Wednesday, September 20th episode of Media Insultant. Hey, Keith, I'd like to start today's episode with a quick commercial for our sponsor, In Town Media, if that's all right with you. You know, at In Town, we are working with a client who wants to sell a cluster of his radio stations. Uh, And we're looking, frankly, as you and I have talked, we're looking for somebody that everybody is looking for, a smart, in-market owner who loves radio media and has a couple of bucks to be able to buy a radio station or cluster of radio stations. And this market is a literally a one-horse town in terms of media. Only media in town is this cluster of radio stations. No TV. Newspapers a couple times a week. Lots of room for more digital. Nobody's done digital very aggressively in the market. Pretty solid economic base and a growing retirement community. So decent, decent market. Client has seven radio stations. They're all FMs. No, you're not burdened with any AMs in this case. And here's the beauty. This isn't a turnaround, Keith. It's not a one of those if-you-were-here kind of deals. Good, positive, cash-flowing, small market, kind of like the old days. So uh, if you're interested, an NDA is going to be required. Candidly, some terms may be available, depending upon who the buyer is. So you can contact me, Jackson at InTownMedia.com, and uh, we can get you further information after you sign the NDA. So that's the end of our commercial. And so the next part of our show here today, Keith, is I we were wrong. Well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't put you in the exact. I shouldn't put you in the same group. I should say I was wrong again because Spectrum Cable uh, was going into a big pissing match with Disney. And going, uh, going, they were in the pissing match. They they had they had really kind of thrown down the gauntlet. It was a uh, a battle of the titans. That's a that's a really good way to put it, and and you say, well, why is that a battle of the titans? We got Disney, one of the biggest providers, they you know in in content, and you've got Charter, who's got what fifteen million subscribers. So you're yeah, right. Charter's this is- cable company, Spectrum, uh, you know the second largest cable company in the United States behind Comcast, but still like fourteen, fifteen million subscribers, most of whom were in New York and Los Angeles, and we were blacked out of all Disney content. For like almost two, like ten days, like almost two weeks. I mean, it was desperation time. I was this close to signing up for FUBU and Hulu and whatever <laughs> I could do to get ESPN. It's football season, you know, and 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 Monday Night Football. Oh my God, I was going to be without Monday Night Football. 
Well, maybe we should go back and uh, do a quick review on how this works, just in case there are people in our audience who aren't aware. Cable systems pay for their content. You know, all of those channels they pay for. Uh, you know, everything from ESPN to the Golf Channel, local TV stations, all those obscure stations above 100 on the upper part of the dial on your on your cable box, they pay for all of those. And as a result, uh, you know, and, for, and even local TV stations, and we've talked about this uh, consistently since we started Media Insultant, that for television stations, it often is 50% or more of their revenue. Right, and, and it's something that we've called retrans, the retransmission retrans. fees that over-the-air television stations get. But just a clarification, not every cable net gets paid. Not every cable net. There are some cable nets on there that are there because, you know, they're paying to get on or giving them, you know, a little bit of pennies per subscriber cleared or whatever. And then you get up to those upper tiers, you know, where you've got to pay extra to get, you know, uh, other stuff. Some's paid and some 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 aren't. So yeah, it's it's a little mix mash. But clearly, Disney has the, a, a portfolio of networks that uh, have a significant enough value and at least some viewership that they can extract some of the largest subscriber fees from the cable companies. And that's what this was all about, right? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it was about, and and your your point is 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 well made, and and I, I I guess I overspoke in that situation, but the fact remains that probably ninety to ninety five percent of the channels that there that are actually viewed with any consistent audience, they're paying for at some point. Mm-hmm. But you're right, there are some other extenuating kind of uh, circumstances. So, what we end up with is Disney saying, you know, you got to pay more. They're already getting $10 per sub per month for ESPN. And I think at this point, Charter just said, you know, we just can't continue to pay for this. And so you and I talked about this uh, offline and said, you know, this is uh, this is a break in the ecosystem for the way cable television has operated for the past, what, 25 years? Uh, and 30 years. No, more like uh, 40 years. 40 years. Okay. Well, yeah. and, the, and the, the point being that, the the model is breaking apart, and and our observation at the time was, this is going to go to the mat. This is going to be a death spiral for both of them. In some ways, they're going to you know they're going to that's right. They're going to go down slugging because the economics have to change. And then what happened, Keith? Uh, we were completely wrong. They settled almost immediately within ten days. Well, what but what that's it, it, in, what in, happened in, in cable land and between. These kind. This isn't one television station and one you know uh, you know being blacked out off of Directv. This isn't one station. This is ESPN. This is your ABC-owned television station in Los Angeles and New York and Chicago and San Francisco, wherever they have O and Os. This this was this was a big blackout. The biggest I've ever experienced in cable. And my history in cable goes back to 1980. Okay, that's when I started in the cable business. Back when there were just 12 channels on your cable system. And your cable system only served those people who couldn't get over-the-air TV. This was big time. Um, And hours before the new season of of, uh, Monday Night Football was to debut... With the uh, you know the Jets game, the Jets and the and the uh, and the and the Buffalo Bills game in, out of New York, uh, the famous you know Aaron Rodgers um, you know uh, Achilles rupture game after four plays, 
which happened to be the most watched Monday night football game in history. And the only reason it was is because Disney and, and Charter settled this deal that afternoon, just in time. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess everybody wanted to sell. Have, they wanted to make sure all the spots they've sold in Monday night football, Spectrum and their local avails, and ABC Disney in, the, uh, in their avails, uh, it became like, well, we're going to lose our ass if we don't clear this game. Let's settle this deal. So they did. So Bob Iger, uh, you know, and um, uh, who's our guy at, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's his name at, uh, at, at Charter? In any case, um, you'll look it up. But uh, uh, agreed to a deal, and it's, and it's kind of interesting. It shows that, that Disney, I think, gave up a little bit more than Charter did. I think Charter got the better end of the deal. But Disney still gets the, 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 the subscriber fees. So I guess, you know, in one case... You know, Iger saved the Disney subscriber fees, and in another case, Spectrum got uh, a key concession from Disney, which is that if you're a subscriber to a certain level of services on Spectrum Cable, you'll be able to subscribe to the ad-supported products of Disney without having to pay additional subscriber fees. You can, you can log in using your Spectrum ID. I do that with uh, HBO Max because I'm an HBO subscriber on Spectrum. Therefore, I get Max. So it's the same kind of thing now with Disney Plus and some of the other streaming products that Disney offers. Not all. It's not like you get Hulu, but you do get some of these networks that you could buy directly in the Disney bundle. I think it's a, it's a creative solution. This is what Spectrum, the, the Charter and Spectrum wanted all along. If you're going to jack up our prices, we want something in return. Let our subscribers have some of your products. And Disney's going, boy, we really need these. Uh, we need this cash flow. We need these, this $2.2 billion a year in subscriber fees or we're screwed. And so they kept that. So, you know, it's kind of a win-win negotiation. I think maybe one wins a little more than the other. But in the end... I got my ESPN back, I got my ABC television back, and I'm, I'm a happy sports, sports viewer again. Yeah, the sports was the leverage. It's interesting because the other end of the spectrum is Disney no longer is providing spectrum with about six or seven completely obscure channels like you know, uh, National Geographic for kids, or I, I you know, yeah, just, Disney, Disney Kids, Disney uh, Kids it goes away, and I think that's, that's too bad. But again, th- those people that really want the Disney product like me, will sign up for um, the, uh, you know, sign up for Disney Plus and, and, yeah. and subscribe separately to that. So anyway. So as, as a result, I mean, you know, long term, we know this is going to continue to be a real shifting platform for everybody. And you're right. They've settled it. ESPN was the leverage. The game was the, the leverage. That can't continue forever. You know, that no, is just, right. you know, we're just going to see this model get reshaped as time goes on. Right, and the, the model we're talking about is the cable bundle. And that's that's what this cable bundle of where you sign up for a package of all these different, if you buy this serve, by this level, you're going to get all these channels bundled in. And it's a term that came out of the 80s, and that's what, uh, uh, and that's what we're going to see dissolve over the next several years as, uh, as the streaming... Uh, phenomenon continues and as cable I think retrenches away from offering entertainment and just offers broadband and uh, and mobile mobile services mobile they're service, making yeah. all their money well at one way or the other the replacement for the existing model is going to be more work 
more channels, more confusion, <laughs> and probably a lot less profit. Yes, probably so. At least I got my ESPN back. You know, Keith, um, uh, I served on the board of the Washington State Association of Broadcasters for years, and um, every year we would make a trip to Washington, D.C., and then to Olympia. And in Washington, we spent a whole week. It was under the supervision of the NAB, and we would spend that week visiting all of our representatives in the state of Washington and all of our senators, both the Cong- congressional and the senators. So we'd have meetings mm-hmm. with Patty Murray. and, and well, that's exciting. Have, you know, well, actually, it Maria was a lot Can- of fun. Maria Cantwell. Well, Maria Cantwell, I, I got to like a lot more okay, than I thought right. I would. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah, I got along really well with her after after the first 20 minutes. She warmed up quite a bit. So, anyway. Okay, good. Uh, and, and by the way, a shout out <laughs> You're to... You're a smooth him. operator, Jackson. You warmed up Maria Cantwell. Only took 20 minutes. And a couple of martinis. No, sorry. Oh, I wish. I wish. Yeah. And I do want to give a shout out to uh, Keith Shipman, who's our executive director. Yeah. Uh, he did a great job of... Uh, of handling that, lining up appointments, getting us there, getting us through it. You know, we'd have half a dozen guys from all over the state coming together. It was really a very fun, exciting week. And anyway, one of the key things, the reason I even bring this up, is uh, because every time we would do it, we would come in and say the same thing. And the same thing was this. In a time of emergency, everybody tunes in their radio or TV stations. They want to know what's going on, and we Mm -hmm. are the source for that information, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that was fine, except when Maui's uh, wildfires hit a couple of weeks ago, we found that that wasn't the case. What Mm. we didn't acknowledge in those lobbying calls we made was no one's got a radio in the home anymore. For the most part, Mm. the radio listening Mm. is now in car. People dispensing information to the local news sources at a local level are much more attuned to social media. Mm-hmm. And frankly, they don't think about radio and TV as much as they used to, if at all. And in the Maui situation, this was this just blew me away. Uh, the, the information about the wildfires wasn't getting to local radio and TV stations. Now, they only have radio on Maui. They don't have a dedicated TV station. But when a Honolulu TV anchor... Uh, asked the information people how, oh, I call them, they were not information, they were information idiots, because he asked him how to get information on what was going on in the fire. The guy says, oh, just download our app or follow us on Facebook. All this while acknowledging all communication on the island was down. The internet yeah. was down, cable yeah. was down, phone lines were down, the entire power island was down. was down. There was no power. There was no power. Yeah. Meanwhile, virtually all the stations on the island remained on the air, but the emergency director in Maui failed to feed them any information. And so it's talking about and what up. did people and what did people do in Maui? They they were trying to get the hell out of Lahaina in their cars where they could listen to the radio and get that vital information about what roads were open, what roads were closed, what direction to go. You know, and now we see those hideous pictures of all the burned out cars, but everybody was getting in their car, getting the hell out, and they could have done a better job if they knew, if the radio stations knew what to tell them. Perfect point. And that, that's the thing that they would have tuned into radio locally. But yeah. the information officers, and there are going to be a lot of people thrown under buses for this. There isn't any question about that. Well, they already have been. Yeah. They already have been. So I think, you know, as, as you and I have talked about this, uh, you know, there are a couple of things that are clear. 
uh, broadcast, and I mean particularly radio, needs to be sure they continue to let local emergency officials know that they're there in an emergency and how they can help. And we also need to have a plan for how to staff our thinly staffed organizations. Don't forget that a lot of radio stations often don't have anybody on staff. So if there's an emergency, you know, who's going who's gonna to go in and begin to assimilate this and actually make it a, an information distribution point? And we need to remind our audiences that in a pending situation, you know, if there's a hurricane on its way, if we know it's tornado season, that uh, we are there, the radio stations are there, and we'll be distributing information. But it's a, it's a screw-up of royal nature, and, uh, and sadly, a lot of people died because of it. And I, I, you know, I couldn't put any numbers on it, but you know there are people who died because radio didn't have the information. So and, there. And they didn't have the information because the public emergency officials <clears throat> didn't get it to them. Exactly. And so where's the, where's the communication loop on that? You know, it's just really sad. It's just so, beyond sad. It's just yeah. devastatingly bad. Uh, a wake-up call for everybody, for the emergency people and for the radio and TV stations. As I said, we've been saying this for years. We forget to ask if anybody's listening. Is anybody yeah, exactly. really listening? Exactly. All right, we have a little fun feature here on Media Insultant from time to time, Keith, called You Can't Make This Shit Up. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Made up of uh, some of the interesting experiences uh, we've had over the years in, in our career. And uh, one of our listeners, Holly Conley, who you worked with for years and, and I knew well, reminded you of a very funny scenario. So would you do this You Can't Make This Shit Up story for us, please? Well, I'd be happy to, and it has to do with the uh, the greatest comeback line that Holly and I have ever heard uttered when asked, so what's your budget, right? How much do you have to spend, okay? And that's one of the big questions that, 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 that media salespeople, you know, have to ask at some point, you know, how much are you willing to invest on this project that you want to do? And so um, it has to do with a, with a great line that was delivered more than once, mind you, more than once by the greatest radio salesperson I have ever known, even better than you, Jackson, and that is Anita Silverstone. And Anita Silverstone was the sales rep, I think her entire sales career was at KMPS in Seattle. She was you know, just an incredibly talented uh, radio salesperson. And uh, so a little bit of background about Anita, because Anita had you know, all the great attributes that, 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 uh, that radio and media salespeople need to have, and that is, you know, great uh, great ego she's not afraid to talk to anybody or meet anybody or, or or deal with any level she was she had great relationships with with clients with ad buyers with agency principals she was really that great she also had the ability to um, she was a great you know she had great command she could convince you to do what what you needed to do and I think that's one of her great attributes and she was fearless you know she would go after and, and tackle any any piece of business and she was great at it too responsive she was responsible she was just somebody that everybody loved to work with but not the kind of rep that rolled over and gave the deals or was always doing the lowest rates or gave you the most bonus spots or the most promotional spots that was not Anita I mean, Anita drove the value of our radio station and why country music and KMPS in Seattle was so important, okay? She was so good that one year she was the number one salesperson in terms of sales volume for Easy Communications, the number one sales rep in the whole country. That's how good she was. And she won for that effort, okay? She won at the company sales convention in Phoenix, Arizona. She won a brand new Chevy SUV. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. How about that? 
Yeah. yeah. It was under on the stage. It was covered with a parachute. And the winner this year will receive this Chevy Blazer, right? The Chevy Blazer. Now, I'll never forget this moment because this describes Anita perfectly. Anita is in the back. We're at the back table. We're sitting around having drinks. We're, 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 we've been partying pretty hard. Anita is wearing a leopard skin bustier and a black leather mini skirt and, I don't know, six-inch heels. And, 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 and if you've ever known Anita or met Anita, Anita had the feminine attributes that looked great in a bustier, if you know what I mean. Okay? So she was busting out of her bustier, and she's smoking a cigarette, and, and Alan Box announces that she's won, and she takes one big puff, and she goes, I don't need this goddamn SUV. <laughs> and so, but she has to go up, and we all cheer, and she gets the SUV. Well, Anita, at the time, was driving a brand-new BMW 530i, and this was like 1990. I mean, you know, who had a BMW 530i? She did. So she gives it to her boyfriend, you know, the orthodontist, Bob Zek. So Bob, Bob, I don't give a, I don't give a F about this Chevy Blazer. You know, Jesus Christ, just, you know, pay me more money. And so, you know, so, we'd all kill for the Chevy Blazer, but not Anita. And that was part of what made Anita really great, is that she was the only seller I've ever met that didn't need the money in, in her, her mind. mind. She did, you know, didn't you know how salespeople get desperate and want to do a deal and they'll do anything to close a deal. They'll beg yep. the sales manager. They'll, 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 whatever they'll do to close the deal. Not Anita. She would never do that. Okay. It was like, and, and I think the reason why, and I learned this later, was that Anita during the 80s and early 90s was investing all of her commission. She was buying deep into Microsoft stock, Costco stock. And when, the, when those stocks ran up, when she left KMPS, she didn't get another sales job. She retired yeah. as a sales manager and went into investing in companies because she made so much money off the stock. So anyway, that's the background on Anita and how brilliant she was. And it explains why she was able to say this line and get away with it and where none of us could because A, we didn't have the guts and B, we needed the money. So we're sitting in the cube farm along the, in the fixed Mador building along the Pike Place Hill climb in Seattle, right below the Pike Place Market. I think they just had a new radio station move into that same property a, a few weeks ago in Seattle. And so we're back to back in the sales cube farm. And, and I think Anita and I and Holly were all like on the same side. And Anita's on the phone. And she's got some guy that's called in, right? It's, it's the call in. Kai calls in and she's going, okay, so where are you? Uh-huh, what do you do? Yeah, you sell that, uh-huh. So, you know, what, what is it you're interested in doing? Okay, fine, you need to do some advertising and you want to sell more cars, do all that stuff, right, right, right. And it gets to the question of, well, you know, so how much do you have to invest on this? You know, what, what, what's, what's, what's your budget? What are you thinking about? And we don't hear anything. Holly and I don't hear anything come out of the phone. But we just hear Anita just go, are you effing kidding me? I spend more than that on my dinner parties that's not an ad budget. That's a dinner party. <laughs> and then there's dead air. And, and she goes, okay, well, that's more like it. Oh, okay, all right, all right. I will actually get in my car and come out and meet you because that's, <laughs> thank you, that's, that's real money. By the way, Holly and I had both been to Anita Silverstone's hosted dinner parties, okay? And she was a gourmet cook. This was, you know, fresh king salmon and wine and martinis and, you know, sal I mean, her dinner parties were legendary. So these were 
these were $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 dinner parties. So, we, so Holly and I knew how much that meant, right? <laughs> what, what, what she meant by that. But she had the ability to talk back to these knuckleheaded call-ins or advertisers that said, dude, you know, that's, not, that's not enough. That's just not going to cut it. You're not going to get any results. I'm not going to even bother spending any more time with you unless you have enough money to spend to get results, okay? To get the results that you're going to get a renewal. Otherwise, I'm not going to waste my time. That's, that's, a, that's an effing dinner party at my house. That's not an ad budget. That was the greatest well, line I've ever heard in sales was that that's not a budget. That's, that's what I spent on my dinner parties. But that was so fun about Anita is that if she was almost like an ad sales dominatrix where these guys would call up and they and she would just tell them what to do she would tell them how much to spend when to spend it because whatever you say anita whatever because they didn't want to they didn't want to get put down they didn't want to get the they didn't want to get in trouble <laughs> and so and she did it so well that she outsold every seller across the country for easy communications and it wasn't even close it was amazing god bless you anita but i'll never forget those days at kmps and, and how you told advertisers what they needed to spend, and they spent it. Two things that are different today. The first thing is, for a lot of stations, two grand's a decent budget because prices have come down so much, unfortunately. <laughs> and the second thing is, what's a call-in? <laughs> when was the last time a station had a call-in? Those don't happen much anymore. So, And, and I used to tell this story when I was uh, consulting and doing training at CSS, and that was basically, look, have, some, have a backbone. Know what it's going to take to get results on your station, whether it's TV or radio. And, if, and, and don't settle for less because you'll just burn through that advertiser. And think of Anita. Think <clears throat> of Anita. Think of her dinner parties over on Mercer Island. Think of her not giving a, a, a real rip about whether or not she won a Chevy Blazer, which she had to pay the tax on. Think of that attitude and try to keep that the best you can when people are asking you, how much is it going to take to work? Here's my budget. And don't go for the, low, the, the just the cheap, one-off, low-hanging fruit orders. Go, for, go, go get the business at the right price, at the right budget, that you'll know you'll get success and get results. So there we have. We have mixed. You can't make this shit up with a great sales tip story. So thank you, Keith. That was really, that was really well put. And we've all had the pleasure of working with somebody like Anita, but not enough. And there are very few of them today. So God bless her. All right, we have run out of time once again, um, and we have a couple more shows that we're going to do before uh, I go in for heart surgery. Um, and we put MI uh, or Media Insultant on a little bit of a hiatus while we get through that. So we love comments from anybody, Jackson at IntownMedia.com. And uh, we do this every Wednesday. We'll be back next Wednesday. You can find the podcast just about anywhere and the videos are in Vimeo in the Media Insultant Showcase. Next show is next Wednesday. Keith, till then, thanks for sharing that great story about Anita. <laughs> and uh, I will see you next Wednesday, buddy. Take care, man. I'll see you soon. Have a great weekend.